Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. This half hour, Jack Ham just moments away. Final half hour, Akron head coach Terry Bowden. Before we get to Jack, time now for our play-by-play call of the day. Yeah, we got the home run from the Red Sox game last night. High fly ball down the left field line. That's driven deep. Way back in the corner. She is gone. Christian Vasquez absolutely on fire, and the Red Sox have the lead. Dave O'Brien with a call on Nesson last night as Christian Vasquez, who's had a propensity in the last month and a half of hitting big home runs at certain moments, hit one last night and the Red Sox beat Toronto 6-5. to All right, my broadcast partner, as we head into our 18th season together on the Penn State Sports Network, Jack Ham, And by the way, the news earlier today that Jack is one of 27 members of the new Hall of Honor for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Jack, from all of us to you, congratulations. Well deserved. Anytime I'm on a list with guys like Art Rooney Sr. and Dan Rooney and Chuck Noll and a lot of the guys that I played with, it's uh, it's a great honor. Looking forward to the celebration we're having in uh, in late November. Yeah, that'll be great. All right, uh, let's get to this football team in the preseason. I've told people, and then you and I did the Duquesne Club event together. That it used to be you and I would look at the first team and say okay, and then we'd look at the second team, and then we'd start going through saying okay, X on the first team can't get hurt. This this has been more of a time where you and I have taken a long look at the third team because of what they have now. It's pretty accurate, isn't it? Well, without a doubt. You know what? The the idea is the biggest change in this football team and, and looking at it, and we've done it, you're right, for so many years, but how deep this football team is. You go from the quarterback position to running back and now the offensive line and how deep they are there and uh, you know, in the secondary. You're right. You're trying to put you know patch guys in here and there in the last couple of years, and if you're going to win championships, you know, and we got lucky last year. You know, it's got some of those injuries we had early. We got guys back in midseason and went on a great run, but you have to have guys because guys are going to get banged up. So you got to be deep back there, and, uh, and guys who come in not just fill in, but come in and play and play at a high level. And I think we're getting to that position right now with this Penn State football team. We all know that up front you have to get it done. What are you seeing now with this offensive line that maybe you and I have not seen in the last few years? Well, I think being physical, number one. I think when you got to be, you know, like, man at right guard, I think he's, he he brings a presence with that offensive line. And he's, a, you know, as James Franklin calls him, kind of a road grader. And then you have Bates, who, you know, real honestly, Steve, we, he kind of fell into with the injuries last year. We put him out of left tackle and find out he can be one heck of a, a left tackle. He's very athletic out there. He's normally going to get the best pass rusher of football the defense has against him in a lot of space out there. 
here, and, and I think his quick feet and whatever, he's almost kind of ends up being a natural left tackle. And, and the depths we have there, the offensive uh, offensive line. I mean, McGovern at center is now just coming into his own. It's a, you know, it's a mature offensive line, but still it's a pretty young uh, offensive line, except for Mann and, and Nelson. So uh, uh, I think that's what James Franklin wanted to build. I mean, the question mark has, has been the last couple of years for the offensive line, and I don't think that is going to be the case this year with this group. Uh, when you look at Saquon Barkley, uh, you know, I, I guess it's one of those that you and I will kid and each other, and I'll say, well, the Barkley kid looks like him play, and you'll say to me, yeah, it looks like he's got something to him. Uh, but in reality, when you when you watch him as a as a as a threat in the backfield, what are you seeing from him now and the maturity of Barkley compared to when we saw him in the first few weeks two years ago? Well, I think number one, it's going to be in the passing game. I think the maturity part for him is because he works on his weaknesses. You know, guys, a lot of times who are gifted athletes, they're, they're so good out there. You can see that with Barkley that you don't want to work on your your your, your weaknesses like protection. You know, for the for uh, McSorley and also route running. And I'm not talking just flaring out of the backfield, but running routes that he'll run against a line outside linebacker or maybe in a in a nickel package. It could be against a safety where he'll be more physical against a guy like that. To understand how to run those routes out of the backfield, he worked on that quite a bit because people are going to be keying him, spreading him out, putting him in a slot, putting him in motion, getting him in open field like that it can only be a good thing for this offense. So that, those are the things he has worked at. And I also, he's been a natural leader out there. He's been a natural leader by example. You see every drill that those running backs go to, he is the first guy out there getting him down there, getting them ready for the next the next uh, drill they're going to do as a running back whether it's protection or route running and you know some guys lead by you know vocally out there I think he leads by example out there and I think those guys have followed him here and, and that's another difference I've seen in Barkley in this preseason camp obviously when you played uh, you know you had to take on your fair share way, way back when I played yeah <laughs> <laughs> Stalled for a moment there. That was just a, a brain, just a bad brain moment for me. But you're used to that with me, aren't you? <laughs> so, back when you back when you played, you had to face your fair share of really good tight ends, and also a guy like Mike Wagner would have to face his fair share at times of tight ends. What kind of matchup nightmare is is Mike? Well, there's a guy right there who just came into his own last year. When you have a, a tall tight end like this who's very athletic, you could tell that he was a, probably a heck of a basketball player in high school, understands getting balls at the high point. And that's what he did a lot of those big catches he made last year in the Big Ten championship game. You know, when you're six foot five like that and you get, you're athletic and you can outjump defensive backs, normally you're going to be 5'11", 6'0", maybe 6'1", but for the most part, he's going to be able to go up top a lot of those guys. And his confidence has just gone in, in the skyrocketed in the last year because, you know, you and I both saw him, balls bouncing off him in preseason camp, really not confident catching the football. And last year, getting getting some catches early, making some big catches, and just getting better and better. You know, you could be a great athlete out there, Steve, but if you don't have that confidence, and he started to yeah. gain that, and you, we both 
could see that as the season went on, it ended up being a lot of times, along with Godwin and Yoseki, the go-to guy for McSorley getting the football. And he just feels it right now. And, you know, it's great to see on the preseason couple of teams that he is on. Well, he has made a big jump in a year's, year's time. Yeah, wide receiver, there's no Godwin. And Godwin was as reliable, dependable, and had exemplary concentration. What have you seen from the wideout group? Well, I think, number one, I think Hamilton really gets it. I mean, a couple of years ago, he was a re- leading receiver. I think he's going to be a big-time target again for McSorley with uh, with Godwin gone. I think uh, Johnson, who's a tall six-foot-four, he's had the, he's had the, the, the uh, spring practice, he's had the preseason camp, and he's been consistent all the way through. A huge target for McSorley. I think he's going to be a big factor out there because you can only double so many people people out there. You can only concentrate on Barkley so much. And I think Johnson may be the guy who's going to get a lot of plays towards him because he may get a lot of that one-on-one coverage. And then you have Tompkins out there who's, who's got that burst, that quickness out there along with Blacknall. I mean, Polk has come on as well. I'm waiting for Charles also to come on as well in that, in that wide receiver core. Again, we talked about depth. We're, we're, we're very deep at wide receiver and a lot of skilled guys out there I think are going to make a lot of plays. Blacknall's going to be another one, I think. You know, they're going to rotate a lot of those yeah. guys out there, and all those guys can play and play at a high level no matter which ones you put in the rotation. When you watch McSorley, and obviously Tommy Stevens has done really well too, but when you watch McSorley, what do you see that makes, that makes him a difference maker as a quarterback? Well, I think it's, you know, the, that intangible that, that, that James talks about. It, it's, uh, he's got that, he's got the great feel for it now. I mean, we, you know, you're not watching a preseason camp. He's throwing the football inside those hash marks on those slant routes around linebackers out in front of his wide receiver. He just has a great feel for it. He doesn't have the strongest arm in the world, but when you have good timing like he had with Godwin on those out patterns last year, that was a, that was a seven, easy seven, eight yards every time. They, they they hooked up. But he just has that feel for it, especially inside. Sometimes quarterbacks inside that hash are concerned about all that traffic in there. And McSorley is a guy that just, you know, he just feels it. And he's got he's gained that confidence like uh, Gusecki as well. This last year was great for him. And, and I think he just, he'll just build on what he did last year. Not a lot of quarterbacks have that kind of a feel, and he has it. And I think that's a big part of his, uh, his success. What's interesting is the three freshmen that James Franklin mentioned in his press conference were all on the defensive side of the ball. Tariq Castro-Fields, Lamont Wade, and Itor Matos. Uh, I want to start with Castro-Fields because in today's game, you know, we've talked about Irv Charles, Blacknall, Jawan Johnson, Gasicki, big receivers. How important now is it going to be moving forward in college football? Because Castro feels like 6'1", 6'1 of getting bigger corners out there. That's going to be huge, Steve. I think uh, when, I, when I talked to some of the coaches up there, uh, and, uh, talking about the Rose Bowl last year, big, tall receivers on the side of the ball for Southern Cal, we were in great position a lot of times to make plays. But, again, you, you either out-jump you along the sideline. You know, obviously had a great quarterback for Southern Cal as well. But guys, you know, jump balls downfield, and you have those big, tall, wide receivers coming over as defensive backs. That's a huge advantage down there, and, and it, it makes a 
but now we're you know a corner, young corner like Castro Fields, you know at six one, almost six one and a half. He's a guy that can he, he will be able to fight down the sideline with the football with the ball in the air, your wide receiver. I think we're going to go in college football trying to find more and more of those six foot one, six foot two. I had the luxury of playing with a guy named Mel Blunt who was six foot four right. at about two hundred and twenty fifteen pounds and was just physical and then he could run and if you're that tall sometimes even when you can't you are beat on a plane it's going to happen out there you can still with your length you end up making plays deflect, deflecting balls downfield or getting interceptions because of your of your length but you can't give up on speed but I think we're going to get more and more taller defensive backs in college football Jack obviously almost everybody goes with sub packages today uh, on, on defense when you look at Penn State's linebackers what kind of versatility do you see in the linebackers of run and pass? Well, you know, Steve, I think this is going to be the most athletic linebacker crew we've had uh, back there when Sean Lee and those guys were playing, and who really understood the passing game, and we're obviously controlling the football much more than than those days. But when you have a guy like Farmer, you know, a converted safety, that he's now 230 pounds, but in the program a period of time, he's much stronger now. He ran a 4-4, and he's going to be an outside linebacker out there. You need your linebackers to be you know, a positive in the pass defense and getting underneath routes, man-to-man coverage, also blitzing blitzing off the edge. When you have a guy athletic like that, like Farmer, and as big as he is, that is a big advantage for your defense, and he is as athletic as anybody out there, and Manny Bowen, I think, is going to have a big year. I think all three of these linebackers, I think, have been the plays that pass very well. I mean, he's lost a baby by five or seven pounds. Yeah. He, he realized he had to get quicker as well, the way the game is in college. Football. He's telling me like telling me that like he's a mature NFL player who's, who sees the game move. You know, it's, it's changing in one year for him. So uh, all three of those guys, and I would not be surprised. Those guys come up with a lot of interceptions, which I think we need on defense. These guys are very athletic. They'll hold up great against a run, and they play the pass as good as any linebacking core. I think this year. And you and I both know that a lot of that's going to have to start up front to help create some of the opportunities you're talking about. When you look at the front. What are you seeing in, in, in an addendum to that? How important do you think it was that uh, Matos was included in that uh, in that possibility of playing? Well, I think Matos has just showed that he is tall, rangy, athletic. I mean, he is as quick, like a four or five something as a defensive end, <laughs> and very athletic. And, and just hoping he can get enough of the reps and whatever is going to burn his red shirt. And there'll be packages where, you know, pass rushing up the edge. Plus, a lot of those balls that are from quarterbacks are really throwing the football so quickly, you get your hands up in the air and line a flight of the football. You end up deflecting a lot of a lot of balls out there just because it's a three-step drop and the ball's coming out pretty flat as well. But he is athletic. I think Curtis Cawthorn is going to have a big year. I used to saw it coming each year and in a backup role. And all of a sudden when he ends up playing, he's getting penetration in, in the, on the on the pass rush from that inside tackle position. He's strong against the run. He's almost like 300 pounds right now. We should be solid there, and especially with Kabinda behind. 
behind them. And then if you're on the outside, you know, whether Miller or Brown, I'm hoping we have a lot of leads, and we should have. So our defensive end is going to be rushing a passer on the on outside quite a bit, and those guys are really athletic as well. So I'm looking, you know, looking for our defensive end. With I think we're a question mark coming into this year. I think we'll be fine with Miller and Brown on the outside and that rotation. And and I'll still say about number thirty Gibbons out there. Oh yeah. Now about now about two eighty, and so quick, and I can still see him making the play in the screen pass against Wisconsin in the uh, in the Big Ten championship mm-hmm. game. As they look like a linebacker or a safety chasing it. But all these guys again, athletic. There's be a big rotation in there in that defensive line to keep people healthy, fresh all game long. But uh, we're deep there as well. But I think Curtis Cawthon could have a really big year at the defensive line. And one final question, Jack. I'll let you go, and that it deals with expectations. People have asked me wherever I've gone to speak about expectations, and I said that's great. I'd rather have that than have no expectations, and because I think people want to sneak up on people, and in today's culture, that can't happen. Uh, everybody knows what everybody's doing, but you've gone through this six times, twice in college with back-to-back undefeated seasons, and then four times with the Steelers winning Super Bowls. And there were expectations built in each time. So how did teams, whether it's college or professional or an individual, just handle the week-by-week grind of an expectation? Well, Stephen, you're exactly right. I think we came off of our I'm, – I'm most proud of what we did on, on the pro level is winning back-to-back Super Bowls. When you, you do that, you know that the following year every team is going to be gunning for you. And I talked to, to Cabinda and I talked to Barkley. You're, they're, they're going to get from Akron all the way down to Maryland. They're going to get everybody's A game. And then you challenge for the, for the Penn State football team. And, you know, you wouldn't want it any other way. But they realize that. And they, they were mature last year in the sense of you know being behind in, in the number of games and, and just you know hanging in there and just making plays in the third and fourth quarter but this year you got to realize every game no one is going to look past it and, and this is a challenge they, they would want and I think you go through this and come back and win another Big Ten championship for for Penn State I think that may be one of the things they'd be most proud of in their in their careers and I think they're a mature enough football team to handle this one week at a time, starting with Akron. Always a pleasure, my friend. Appreciate it very much. Saturday at 10.30. Uh, might as well get all it right, started. Steve. Plus, I learned a lot about Don Baylor. Must have bruises all over his body. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, we always try to make the educational segment. <laughs> okay. All right, Steve. Take care. Thanks, Jack. Jack Ham, joining us on the show. Covered a lot of ground there. We'll recap it for you in a moment as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. A lot of ground to cover with Jack Ham in the uh, previous segment. Terry Bowden in the next half hour. We'll talk about Akron. And a little bit about Penn State and what he thinks of them coming up in the next half hour. There are several areas in there. Jack talked about the ability to repeat. Really important because he's been through it before. 68 had to, you know, 69 followed 68. Super Bowl 10, then 11, then winning 13 and 14. He was in that position three times in his career where he went in with a team that had expectations and a target on it. So how do you handle it? And he talked about embracing it. And he's talked to the 
players about this because he's been through it before in his own life, in his own career, and been with teams that have been able to not only do it, but succeed with it. And I thought that was important. The trend toward bigger corners. We got about Tariq Castro Fields. He's a freshman. He's not going to start. But that is more in the model down the road I think you'd like to migrate to that is a bigger corner that's going up against the bigger receivers. I mean, you're out there with a Jawan Johnson, a Nerve Charles, a Mike Gasicki. You're talking about 6'4", 6'4", and Mike is closer to 6'6", now, which makes him really an impossible uh, matchup. He's too fast for a linebacker, and he's he's too big for a safety. When we had Brian Scott on the show when he was playing for the Bills years ago, I brought up the topic of Rob Gronkowski, and he said, he said, Steve, he says, I'm six one six two. He says, and even I'm too short to handle him. Well, that's what Mike Kosicki is. He's that kind of matchup nightmare. That is such a plus in the passing game. And I'll tell you what I really like about what I've seen from Trace McSorley in the preseason. He knows who he's throwing the football to. He will throw the ball up normally to Jawan Johnson, Mike Kosicki, and Irv Charles. And then other receivers, he'll pick different spots to throw to. But he tries to put it in a spot where they can get it and the DB can't. But you're going to see a trend toward bigger defensive backs, I think, because you're going to need some length of defensive back to handle some of these people. As he mentioned, when Mel Blunt played for the Steelers, Mel Blunt 6'3", 6'4", and had great cover skills. Well, that's where a young guy like Castro Fields, while not a starter, over time is going to develop into a really significant player, I think, for Penn State because of the elements we just talked about. Terry Bob, next half hour. Attention Central Pennsylvania. Now is the time to check out Sunbury Motors Hyundai. Sunbury Motors Hyundai has 25 brand new Elantras starting at $17,496. Sunbury Motors Hyundai is discounting all new Sonatas, $3,978. Choose from 24 Sonatas starting at just $18,967. All new Hyundais come with America's best warranty. 10 years, 100,000 miles. Why would you buy another import for more money and not as good of a warranty? When you can save thousands at Sunbury Motors Hyundai. If an SUV is on your list, Sunbury Motors has 18 Tucson's, starting at $20,993. Attention Central Pennsylvania. Now, now is the time to see what you can get for your money at Sunbury Motors Hyundai. In the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury. And at sunburyhyundai.com. Now is the time, and Sunbury Motors Hyundai is the place. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Our thanks to Jack Ham and Neil Kulong for being on the show today. Still to come, Akron head coach Terry Bowden. Time now for the Sports Bozo of the Day. Las Vegas Sportsbook's offering 1 to 1,000 odds on the Warriors making the playoffs. The Las Vegas Sportsbook is willing to take that bet at 1 to $1,000 odds to win $100 on the Warriors making the playoffs. A better has to put up $100,000. At the Westgate Sportsbook. On the flip side, a $100 bet on Golden State to miss the playoffs will pay off in $10. 
Ten thousand one hundred dollars. Sounds like something the suit would do. All right. So there you go. Sports pose of the day. Akron, uh, Terry Bowden is the head coach, of course, formerly the head coach at Akron. And he is a guy who is, uh, look, it's an interesting spot. You look at the, look at that conference. Frank Solich is now at Ohio University. He's been there for a while. Terry Bowden now has been at Akron for a while. It's a different coaching challenge, but it still keeps them right in the thick of it. And they get challenges like they have this week with Penn State. With that, we welcome in the head coach of Akron, Terry Bowden. Thank, hey, thank you. And y'all missed the biggest sporting event of 1977 when you mentioned that. You know what it was, don't you? Terry Bowden starting on the front wall of the kickoff return team for West Virginia against Penn State. Yeah, and and did you make a tackle on the play? I was on the kickoff return team. I I wasn't allowed to be on the kickoff coverage team. team. Oh, you're on the return team. Okay. (laughs) That's where they put the slowest, least athletic walk on, the front wall of the kickoff return team. That was my last play against Penn State back in 77. (laughs) You you and I actually have a mutual friend, and that's Ed DeCellis, who was at Salem State when you were Ed Ed DeCellis, a great friend. You're going all the way back to Salem College when he was a basketball coach. There, sure. Those, those are old days. Yeah, my quarterback was Jimbo Fisher. Days. Hey, my quarterback was Jimbo Fisher. How about that? We'll go back and play some. How about that? Ed, Ed, when Ed was there. That's amazing. What uh, are the challenges? You know, obviously at Auburn, mm-hmm. you did some great work there. Had an undefeated mm-hmm. season. What are the challenges that you found now in your experience in the years you've been at Akron? That's different in a MAC mm-hmm. program as opposed to an Auburn. Oh well, you know, at an Auburn, you're like a Penn State. You, you're, you're 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 given all the resources to be successful. And then at, at Auburn, your your cross state rival is is Alabama. So they they you better win. I mean, they don't like losing. They're going to do everything they can to win and although there's pressure you do get all the resources you want because they're going to give you to, to win what Alabama has it's going to be that type of competitiveness in the state and we were very fortunate I was three and two against Alabama in my five years that we played them but when you get to a Mac school um, it's, it's a different deal I mean in a Mac school I think your goals are to, to, to win a Mac division to win the Mac championship to get to a bowl because really even if we go undefeated as you saw Western Michigan last year we're not going to make those five Four. We're not going to be in that final four selection. We just are, we, the strength of schedule is not going to get us there. So, I think the biggest thing is is you change your goals a little bit. But at Akron, and Akron's only been Division One for thirty years. It's only they've only been in the MAC for less than thirty years. Uh, and Akron's never we won eight games for the first time in school history as a Division One team two years ago. So at Akron, I think the thing is just to build this program where it has not been as a Division One program. Transfers are always going to be important at any time, especially mm-hmm. if you get the right ones. One of them that's been able to transfer in for you from Ohio State is Warren Ball. What mm-hmm. have you seen from him in the preseason that gives you a, an, a feel that he's a cut above? Well, he just he's he's 230 pound tailback. He, he he's consistently running a four five. He's a, one of the best in the weight room. He's one of the strongest on the team. He's one of the best workers on the team. He's very smart. He's got good hands, um, and he played behind some first round draft picks at the high state. So the one thing you haven't seen too much of him is play. You haven't seen him in games too much because last year he was our starting tailback. He got 180 yards in the first game and a half, and then against Wisconsin in our second game broke his leg and he was gone for the year. So they gave him a 
sixth year. So, you know, I, and because he didn't play at Ohio State, he was backing up first-round draft picks, and he's only played a, a game and a half here. I think the only thing left is to, is to see him playing games because he really – everything I see about him in practice and from, from some of the running backs I've co- coached in the past, uh, he's got all the right stuff. I don't know if he's got what that guy at Penn State's got now, but that, he's got all the other stuff. <laughs> Yeah, how about the quarterback spot uh, for yeah. you? You've you've got a couple guys to took a good long hard look at. What are you looking at in the opener for one thing, and what do they bring to the table? Well, you know, Tommy Woodson out of Pittsburgh has been our quarterback. He last year he had a lot of shoulder problems. He got through about. He took us to a bowl game two years ago, won the bowl game. He started the second half of our season. We won all of our games, won our bowl game. He had some shoulder problems in, in the second game of the season last year, and he tried to get through about four games and he couldn't go anymore. And we lost him, and then we lost our backup quarterback and ended up having to play a wide receiver. But Tommy, when he's healthy, and then at the end of the season, he had shoulder surgery, and they corrected it. So he missed spring. He started throwing again this summer, and he looks to be fine. And so we expect him to be ready to go. And if he's ready to go, and we think he is, he'll be our quarterback. But we've got Nick Johns, whose dad played at Penn State as a transfer from Virginia. We've got uh, Robbie Keller, who tra- sure. Kelly, who transferred in. And we've got uh, Cato Nelson, the redshirt freshman from last Last year, and we so we have a good bunch of quarterbacks and a good, but but it will be Tommy Woodson. If you know now that he's gotten to the point where he's cleared to go, I think it will be Tommy Woodson, and we'll, we'll we're not sure how we're going to line him up behind him. Right. Uh, Terry, what's the difference having a guy like that that knows your system, knows your terminology, and there's not a lot of reteaching with a guy like that? Well, it really does. It, it, it puts you out there with a lot – being able to run your offense a lot better. I mean, really, he's this is his fifth year. So he's been here five years in our program. And uh, uh, and he's and he's had a lot of success when he, when he was healthy. He's had a lot of success. And so I think the fact that he's going to know what we like doing, he's going to know what we do in our game so much more than the other – other quarterbacks. And also, you got to remember, we, Penn State's not the first team. We, we played Penn State, what, three years ago, but every year we open up. Last year, Wisconsin. The year before that, Oklahoma. The year before that, uh, Michigan, Tennessee. You know, we've played a big team every year, and he's been in a couple, though. So I think I, I think the game has slowed down a little for him because that the biggest thing for guys that haven't played a team like Penn State, the game's going to come real fast at them Saturday, you know. And I think that's what happens. A guy like Tommy, at least he'll have seen it before. And, and, and a guy like that I, I think can, can relax and try to manage your offense a little bit better. Yeah, it makes it, yeah, no question. It makes a big difference for you defensively. What do you like about what you've seen from your defense in the preseason? Well, you know, I like the fact that we did for two weeks, or maybe actually two at four weeks, we didn't get anybody hurt. We've had two first team and second team. Yeah. We've been able to practice the same guys over and over again, and and hopefully now this week with us not doing too much more live hitting, we'll get through to the game. But that means they've gotten better and better. And of course, Chuck Amata, who's out of Eastern Pennsylvania where he grew up, Chuck Amata, who runs our defense, he, he he knows how to put them in the right place, and he knows how to get them ready. And I think the thing that we've got, I like the experience of our defense. Uh, and, and the strength of our defense, as far as the Mid-American Conference goes, I think we have a defense that, that's got the ability to play uh, winning football in our league. You mentioned the preseason, how you've, you've tapered going into the season. Right. No tour dates this year, which means that the preseason was extended right. uh, because no tour days. Uh, how did you manage that, and do they have to modify that moving forward? 
Yeah, it was different. You know, I've been a head coach 24 years in college, and uh, Chuck Amata's been in college coaching a lot more than I have, and it was different. It was it was forever. I mean, it really was. And now, I don't think any particular day was too ter- terribly uh, difficult for the players. I mean, there was nothing more difficult than two-a-days, and some of us remember three-a-days. So I don't think there's anything yeah. as grueling as that. But it's monotonous. It's day after day after day. Uh, and, and so you have to you have to make it interesting. You've got to change up a little bit. You get and, and everybody was experiencing, experimenting. Even us, the guys that have been here a long time, we were just trying to get a feel for what it was like to have that many days of preseason. I got a feeling they're going to stay with the no two a days in the future. I wouldn't be surprised if they kicked it down to about twenty five days and not give you the twenty nine or whatever it is they were giving us. Because I got a feeling uh, they're going because you got the budget. You know, from a standpoint of schools like Akron, the fact that you, you go five extra days, that's a lot of money to, to a program. Yeah, it is. The mid-level, that's a lot of money for 100-something guys to be fed three meals a day and all the stuff that we do. And there's, you know, top teams don't don't worry about it, but it, it's, a, it's, a big, it's a big financial burden on a, a lot of schools like us in the MAC Conference. You mentioned trying to keep it interesting. How did you try try to keep it more interesting on on and off the field? Oh, well, you know, you, you have skits. You take them to the movies one afternoon after practice. You you you, you run. You, you take them to the swimming pool. You you, you bring ice cream. You, you do things to just get their mind off the day to day routine because they really. And we had one Donnybrook fight. I mean, after about the fourth week, we had a fight. I, I couldn't even break up. It was so many guys. You know, they get mad. They get tired of blocking each other. Uh, but you just got to use your imagination. And the kids. They, they know they got to work. You know, you don't give them a choice. They're going to work hard because you make them. You don't give them a choice about that. But you, you sure need to find ways to keep their spirits up because they, they, they go against each other so often uh, that, um, that it just gets, it gets, um, it gets old. Finally, Terry, and appreciate your time very much, Coach. Yeah. Uh, what, your thoughts on Penn State when you've been able to throw in a throw in a DVD or look at yeah. some video? Take a look at what do you think? Well, I mean, gosh, they, they, they're they're a school that's making that transition to a a from from a team that's in a great conference at a great level to being one of the top teams in that great level. As, as we've all, I grew up at West Virginia when we played Penn State every year in the 70s and many, many undefeated teams. Uh, Penn State is, is making that that move back to the top 10. Top six right now. They've beaten very good teams. Uh, uh, they they The way they're playing now, I just think you're seeing them evolve. The worst, the toughest thing is the two of their best players get yeah. the ball put in, get, get the ball in their hands. The quarterback, 50% of every, every snap, every offensive snap, he's going to have the ball in his hands, and a good many of those he's going to then hand off to another Heisman candidate. So, you know, if, if your offensive guard is your best player, we can live with that. But when your best player is your quarterback <laughs> and your tailback and they get the ball in their hands, they can they can blow you away pretty quick. So, And I'm not saying the offensive guard isn't the best player on the team or the left defensive tackle, but they don't get the publicity that these two Heisman Trophy candidates get. So the biggest concern is that the quarterback who's been very, very uh, uh, productive throwing the football and touchdown and the running back that's been probably as what maybe one of the best all-around running backs in the country. Whether those two guys, you know, they put you to sleep early. Terry, an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for your valuable time today. We appreciate it very much. Thanks, fellas. Take care now. Terry Bowden, the head football coach at Akron. We'll come back, wrap it up in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. All right, no show tomorrow because of the Philadelphia Phillies. They'll be in this time slot. 
And then Thursday, John McClain from the Houston Chronicle is going to join us. We'll talk about what's happening down in Houston, and obviously we'll talk to him about the NFL. Uh, the Cowboys and the Texans are actually scheduled to play in Arlington. Are they? They're playing. They're playing Thursday night, right? It is Thursday night, and yes, the game was moved up to Jerry World. Just a suggestion, and I'll I'll leave it at that. Um, they ought to just charge a flat fee for that game and take all the proceeds and give it to the to the Red Cross or Houston Relief, whatever. That's I think a, that would that's be, a phenomenal idea. I mean, why not? It's, it's a bonus game up there to begin with. Somebody else will take advantage of it and see you know what money you can draw in to give down there. The JJ Watt. Uh, they're up to $2 million raised based on what he's been able to do with uh, matching funds and so forth. $2 million they've raised so far. Now, the New York Jets gave a million to the Red Cross, uh, not to the JJ, to the uh, foundation J.J. Watt has. They gave it to the Red Cross, which is perfectly fine. Whatever, whatever works, works, but that's how they're doing it in the horrific situation down in southeast Texas. Uh, let's see. A couple of other notes for you. Uh, the Rangers, by the way. Now, the Rangers and the Astros were supposed to play a series. And they said, well, why don't we move the series up to Arlington and flip-flop series, and, you know, we'll play in Arlington, then next month we'll play down in Houston. And the Rangers said no. Uh, they're going to play the three-game set instead of Tropicana Field in St. Petersburg. The Astros wanted to swap the series. Now, it also would mean that the Rangers would have to play four straight series on the road. So I do understand that. Uh, and But at the same time, this is an extraordinary circumstance. Swap series. I know it's not as easy to do, but it's workable. Now, the Rangers did announce that they will donate the proceeds from their Texas two-split 50-50 raffle to the American Red Cross from all three games of the upcoming home series with the Angels that will start on September 1st. Uh, I do understand that they're trying to protect their playoff possibilities. Uh, I do understand that. But at the same time, they could have been a bit more accommodating in this. And they're going to move it to Tropicana Field. Where at Tropicana Field, they don't show up for the Rays. How are they going to show up for this game or this three-game series? There'll be people in Tampa, St. Petersburg, who have no idea the series is being played there. J.J. Watt but, just posted on Twitter like barely two minutes ago. He's now up to $3.25 million. New goal, $4 million. Great. Keep it going. Phenomenal. Most Now, the most important thing after that is make sure the money gets to the people. Make sure it gets to the people who need it. That's what they have to do. That's what charities have to do. Okay, the heck with overhead. The heck, you know, you know you've got people also. One of, the, one of the big problems is that happened with Katrina is you had people trying to take advantage of the situation. Now, that's not what I'm saying happening here. But just make sure the money gets to the people. It's the single most important thing you have to do in all this. But the uh, Rangers and Astros think, look, same thing. Go down go down there, forget about the money, take all the proceeds, give it to the Red Cross, or whatever helps. Steelers picked up uh, the tight end today, Vance McDonald from the 49ers, and really a surprise move. 
He had signed a three-year, $19.7 million contract extension with the Niners in December. Uh, Coming off career highs last year, 16.3 yards a catch, four touchdowns in the 11 games he played, then hurt his shoulder. But he only picked up 391 yards in receiving. Look, they have been having trouble in Pittsburgh ever since Heath Miller retired. Jesse James is fine. That's not the issue. He's fine, but they need a second tight end. The Ladarius Green experiment did not work out. Xavier Gamble is there. And we all know that Ben Roethlisberger does like to incorporate the tight ends into his passing game, especially in the red zone. So Vance McDonald is picked up by the Steelers. The contract, by the way, for McDonald is not going to be a problem for the Steelers. Uh, it'll take a $4.1 million salary cap hit in 2017, but they can get out of the contract next year if they're willing to accept $4.2 million in dead money. So that's what the Steelers want to do. And Vance McDonald is now part of their tight end mix. Phillies just announced their game tonight with the Braves postponed. They're going to do a doubleheader tomorrow starting at 12.05. Okay. Phillies, Reese Hoskins, gone. How about Reese Hoskins? That is really one... I mean, with the Phillies in the summer of really very few stories now have a story. I would think if there's one person bummed that there's no game tonight would be Reese Hoskins. <laughs> He's been on a roll. But you know what? It's interesting. He made a statement because he had hit 11 home runs in the first 18, 18 games he played. And he said, well, he said, I'm just in a, in a good place right now. You'll find baseball players, and because I've been around enough of them now, in the last 12 years of working the State College Spikes games, they always feel like they're an 0 for 4 away from a slump. It's just the nature of it. So that's why when everybody's praising them, they're jumping up and down about what they're doing, you'll see the players are a little more reserved about how well they're doing right now. Yankees and Indians also postponed tonight. That game, gone. All right, no show tomorrow because of the Phillies. They'll be in this time slot tomorrow. Our thanks to Jack Ham, Akron head coach Terry Bowden, and Neil Kulong from USA Today for joining us on the show today. Coming up Thursday, John McClain of the Houston Chronicle. It's countdown to kickoff time. It's finally game week. Can we get through the next three days? I'd like to as quickly as possible. We'll talk to you Thursday on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Your station for news, weather, business, and CBS Sports Radio. News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury and on WKOK.com.